Um, hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Um, today we have a very special and totally unprecedented episode of Stargirl. Um, longtime listeners will know that Stargirl is as much a show about women celebrities as it is a portrait of projection onto them. Um, um, So today we have to dispense with the analysis and the projection vibes and simply observe the thing itself, which um, in my case is actually a lot harder to do. So yeah, we actually have Caroline Calloway here in the flesh or whatever over video call. Um, And I spoke to her yesterday in her actual habitat. She's was in bed in her condo in Sarasota, Florida, where she wrote her book Scammer, which just came out earlier this summer. Um, I don't know why, but I likened the experience to like watching a pony in a fenced in pasture, um, you know, because it's kind of this you know, contained way to observe their nature, right? So to watch how it frolics around, how and when it stops to like munch on some grass, um, how it flicks flies off itself, um, how it obeys or does not obey the owner's commands. (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you'll hear um, from Caroline directly, we've heard before in some form or another, um, but there it did feel new to me, and at least it is new, this format, to, to the world of Stargirl. So um, thank you to Caroline for your time, and without further ado, let's meet the woman herself. Hi guys, welcome back to Star Girl. It's Emma. Today is Monday, August 14th, 2023. And we are here with a very special guest, Miss Caroline Calloway. Hi! (laughs) Honestly, I love doing press, not necessarily because I love the press part of it, but because it means I get to lay down. And my next scandal is absolutely going to be the terrible working conditions here at CCHQ. It's like 12 hours a day on your feet, so much glue, a lot of fumes, health hazards out the wazoo, safety violations everywhere. And um, yeah, it's very great because when I do podcasts, I get to be horizontal and I get to have lumbar support, which are two things sorely lacking on the factory floor. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you guys have um, been keeping up with Caroline's Instagram stories, but I've I've seen the setup that you've got going. And are you still doing it all by yourself? No, thank God. Actually, at this very moment, there are two strangers from the internet in other parts of of the condo. Um, My mom is Um, also here, um, part of what makes my factory so uh, scandal prone is my mom's not getting paid at all. She's not even getting a livable wage. I mean, she's she's, she's literal elder abuse. I mean, the woman survived cancer twice and she like checks her phone. I'm like, mom, back to work. These books won't mail themselves. Get down on your hands and knees. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, did someone tell you you can take a break? happy but um no I just really want people to get their orders but I finally got help I had really been trying to do it all myself because Mm -hmm. one the sentimental part of me just loved the idea that like every book would be glued by me personally Mm -hmm. and I'd have that connection but then you know 
I already had like 3,000 back orders. Then I got another <laughs> 3,000 orders. Now we're at like 7,000 orders. And at some point, I just had to be realistic and yeah, be like, do I want these job. orders to go out in a timely manner? Or do I want to keep people waiting? Well, I did receive mine. So thank you very much for well, getting that one out the door. <laughs> you're you're welcome. That was a review copy. In addition to all the other, like, in addition to all the orders, I've, of course, since I'm my own publisher, have to send out all the copies to journalists for review and also to, uh, like, prep podcast hosts so they have it before we record. Um, but, yes, I finally hired help. I got eight employees this week, and we have made so many books. We are, like, I think we're going to be all caught up on orders by the end of August at this rate. And then I just can't imagine how good that will feel because I will just have no thing hanging <laughs> over my head. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you yeah. trying to get Scammer into bookstores or? Yeah. So I'm, I'm selling it right now. In fact, okay. one of the great things about having employees is that it's given me time to work on the book proposal. And I am I want Scammer to be part of a trilogy that I'm calling the Instagram trilogy. And Scammer's one book. And then there's also going to be I Am Caroline Calloway. It will be a day book. All three of the books in the mm -hmm. Instagram trilogy will be day books, which is what I call a book intended to be read in a single day. Mm -hmm. um, I would really like Merriam-Webster to put it in their dictionary because I've always <laughs> wanted to coin a word. It's been a bucket list life goal of mine. And I'm really, I'm really hoping Daybook is going to be the one that sticks. But um, I am Caroline Calloway is like a response to Natalie's essay mm -hmm. that covers a lot of scammer, but does it in a more linear way that, you know, scammer is 67 vignettes mm -hmm. that are like not in chronological order. And it's very experimental as books go and like avant-garde. I'm Carolyn Calloway, much more normal memoir. It's like scammer, but unscrambled. And then the last one is the Instagram captions, or I'm sorry, the Instagram captions, the Cambridge captions from my Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people still have about me is that Natalie wrote my content about Cambridge, when in reality, like we wrote captions together before I had even started at Cambridge. Mm -hmm. We wrote captions together for a summer for an audience of 40,000 purchased bots. Um, so we were like writing these like one-liner jokes that nobody read. But she did a really good job in her cut essay of not only making me seem like vapid and dumb and unable to to write, um, but she did a great job sort of zooming over the next three years as we fell out of touch and I developed an Adderall addiction. And by the time I was ready to sell that, actually I wasn't even ready to sell it. By the time I needed to sell that book because I had found out my father was in massive credit card debt and was no longer paying my tuition. I needed to sell that book immediately, but I was too sick to make that industry document that only publishers saw alone. Mm -hmm. and so I feel like she did a really good job sort of blending that summer where we wrote those those very short jokes for the bots into working on that document for publishers as if she'd written as if she'd built my brand for me and written all those captions about Cambridge. But she didn't. I wrote them completely alone. So I own the full fucking copyright. So I'm going to put them in a book with my fucking name on it because I legally can do that. <laughs> and if she has any proof that she wrote a single word, then I guess we'll see if, what she does legally. But it's all my words. So I'm putting it in a book and I'm marking it as my own. Okay. Well, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see the next two volumes. You should sell them yeah. as a box set eventually. I know. The <laughs> spines. So you know how Scammer's spine is red? The yeah. The spines right are like lemon yellow and like a oh, deep Eve Klein blue. So when you put them together, they'll be primary colors. Beautiful. And for the like, luxury first editions, I was very particular that I didn't want any writing on the spine. Mm. So like mm -hmm. the publisher ones, hopefully will still have those same color spines. Um, but the like luxury first editions, I just want them to like look iconic on a shelf, you know, yeah. and to just, just be instantly recognizable for what they are. Totally. Yeah. It's awesome. So, well, I, I have some questions for you. How did you come up with the name Stargirl? Oh gosh. I don't even know, but 
maybe that's helpful to even just frame this for you. I don't, have you listened to it at all? No, not, okay. I have not listened to, I have not seen a movie in about, at this point, four <laughs> I have taken two days off this whole summer to go to the beach. Right on. That was, I don't even get weekends. I work seven days a week and I, yeah, I literally, I haven't consumed entertainment for pleasure since before I started writing Scammer. So all of the press, like I'm barely able to like manage everything myself, all the shipping, all that, you know, mm -hmm. I have to write the books. I have to schedule the interviews, but I also have to be the one in the interviews. <laughs> I have to schedule the podcast, but I have to record the podcast and like, just like, you know, I have to cut the paper and glue the paper and tie the ribbons and I have to sign the them stickers. and hand number them and like, yeah, put the stickers. Yeah. Honestly, I can't even outsource the stickers. I've tried to with multiple people and no one is putting them on at the little tilted angles that I think <laughs> look jaunty. So yeah, so at least the, the cutting the paper and the gluing the paper, I can't outsource, but the signing the book. Anyways, this is all to say, I am just proud of myself that I had the wherewithal to type my own name into Apple Podcasts and then make a little list in my notes app of all the podcasts that had talked about, about me. You. And I'm just bam, bam, bam. I just knock off a couple a week and I am just chugging along and I have not listened to an episode of any of them. I have no idea what this podcast is about. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm so happy that you're here, obviously. And also that's that makes me really stoked to hear that you found it just by typing it into Apple Podcasts and like know that it's working for me and in some capacity it's coming back. Yeah. Okay, so Stargirl is, I call it a show about girls who stand out. So every episode is kind of a, a profile of sorts of like a different controversial woman in pop culture. So someone who ultimately just generates conversations or someone who obsesses people, infuriates people, whatever. They obviously trigger some sort of like love hate response, but I call it like they represent like a dream and a threat as one. So it's trying to kind of get inside like the, the obsession with these people who either come to represent a moment in time or, you know, for some reason don't feel like they have any peers. So actually you mentioned a lot of star girls past subjects in your book so lena dunham taylor swift is on deck so like these type of women that just like trigger this obsession kind of thing you should um, do a collab with the girls who do it girl theory yeah you know i actually didn't know that podcast and i think you're the pilot episode of the of oh, their really? whole show I, yeah bro i have if I were, <laughs> if I had more hours in my day, I yeah. would know more about the podcasts that I go on instead of <laughs> just like, you know, I'm just, I just feel like I'm keeping my head above water just by like responding to the text and showing up on time. It's like, I'm at like mental capacity for like mm -hmm. how much, how much prep can go into yeah. these interviews. I, um, I didn't know I was their pilot episode. I think yeah. I Really? Are you sure? I, I've got to look into this. That's crazy. Yes. But they're really nice and you should reach out to them. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. Thank you. You're, um, you're welcome. So yeah, so that's a little bit about like kind of the framing of it. But as you know, I did an episode on you recently that was actually, it came into my mind after the Vanity Fair piece came out. And I didn't even know that Scammer was like on deck to like actually be released this summer. But then I was like, oh my gosh, she, you know, she's back in the cycle. Let's like rewind however many years and kind of revisit the the collective memory of, of Caroline Galloway. You know something that I really enjoyed one of my favorite um like podcast episodes that I've recorded as part yeah. of my book press. Um oh and before I forget this is so crazy. I don't know what this says about me, but uh -huh. it's your face on your podcast logo. No, it's not. Who is it? It's like an amalgamation of like a bunch of a bunch of women's faces that are just like layered over each other. When I first looked at it for a split second, I thought it was my face. I'm sure your face is one of the layers. Yeah, a oh, friend really? of a friend did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I I literally this. I'm so glad I asked about this because <laughs> I was so. 
I thought something was psychologically wrong with me that I was seeing a photo of like a di a different person and being like, like That's my me. immediate reaction was like, <laughs> yeah. I recognized myself. And then I was like, wait, that's not me. It just made me feel crazy. <laughs> but uh, I'm already unwell to begin with. So like extra crazy. But um. But maybe that's kind of like a unintentional, like cool effect that it could have, where it's like everyone sees themselves in it. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Um, but what I was going Anyways, to say, one of yeah. my favorite interviews that I've done, I went on um, a podcast called Trending Lightly, and I did a myth busting like segment with them. Yeah, where she she's really deep in like the Reddit, like internet lore, like trending mm -hmm. lightly is very much like an internet pop culture podcast. And I was wondering, since you did a deep dive on me on one of your episodes, do you have any questions about things that you're wondering what the truth about it is? Or like, um, if it's true or not? I actually feel like whether things are true or not was not the like immediate response that I had reading your book. I mean, there's going to be a million records of Caroline Calloway, right? And so I feel like the, the myth busting is less attractive to me, but I'm kind of just interested in exploring with you some of the different eras that you talk about. Um, yeah. And and also well, like right. so much of your story is like really lends itself to like big themes of of the podcast. So I guess first, just like, totally zoomed out question is with all of the positive press that scammer has gotten well first of all congratulations and then also obviously like we know that it's not only like revenge retaliation but at least it seems like there's a personal emotional part of it that is like you know the getting back at natalie so with the positive press i guess my question is do you feel like satisfied with that coming to a close or yeah, how are you feeling with the reception in general? Yes, no, I really, it's funny. I think that a lot of people see how much of my writing is like, some people see a lot of anger in it mm. for Natalie and assume that I'm furious and being catty. And some people think I was like really kind and gentle to her in the book. Mm. And I think it's such a weird, like accidental literary Rorschach test of like your own relationship with women and like how vindictive you assume other women are. And like, I think that I, in the prose itself, in the actual text, I think I was really generous towards her and kind, everything considered. Like, you know, I, even the places where like I talk about her gaining weight, like some women have identified that as like me being really cruel towards her. Mm. But I really think that says more about their own fat phobia. Like I just like, I think fat is a very like, I understand that it's loaded for women and that mm. we live in the patriarchy and that we're taught to hate that. But I also think that we're, it's really indicative of how little a person has done to like, their own interior work in like unpacking those just societal indoctrinations around thinness. Like mm -hmm. I think fat like is, you know, Lizzo's fat. That's like a, a neutral statement and mm -hmm. it shouldn't mean that she's ugly. It shouldn't mean all these things that like are toxic beliefs that we're, um, that are sort of part of the poison that we breathe in. And I think women who really haven't done work to unpack that see that those as like vicious insults towards her. Mm. But um, I really, I think fat girls are sexy and chubby and bouncy and cute. And like, I think fat, like short or tall or blue eyes should be like a, it's just a descriptor. And so in the prose itself, I think I was really generous to her, but in mm. sort of the, um the not my prose the other people's prose of it all mm. the you know the washington post compared our books side by side and like <laughs> crashed natalie's at one point they called her prose quote unquote good enough which i think to this day is the most brutal insult i think about it all the time it's so fucking brutal and they called oh my, my book quote unquote a masterpiece and then the new yorker they Again, they called it her book like 
irritatingly rooted in fact. They called her book that it was slower paced than mine, but somehow more unsure of itself. Um, and they called Scammer funny, engaging, and full of genuine insight, um, which are obviously quotes that I have memorized and would like <laughs> on my tombstone. Um, thank you very much. But I, I think in my prose that I controlled, I think I really held back from any trying to like score subtle. Like I really don't think mm -hmm. that that when someone takes credit for your work and tries to steal the IP of your life and make it their product and to really put forward, um, I mean, she erased my Adderall addiction from the record in her piece and made everything I ever did high on drugs seem like my baseline personality. Like she mentions Adderall in her essay, but she also mentions like us having beers. Like it seemed like this very, like just a, another recreational drug in the mix when it was really like a crippling addiction that I had to like do, like not rehab, like live in rehab, but like therapy three times a week for 18 months with like AA trained therapists. Like it was really hard to detox from it. And to this day, like I'll never be able to touch Adderall again. I've even given up Coke since I moved here because I just don't think that uppers are for me. They're so for me that they're not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I don't think that like reclaiming my own story or setting the record straight should ever be qualified as like a type of revenge. Like everyone's entitled to just tell the truth of their life, especially when someone else has gone out of their way to obscure that truth. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think I was generous to her, but oh my God, in terms of me reacting to the press, the Washington Post and New Yorker reviews that compared us side by side. I was just like, the New Yorker piece ends with the writer, the staff writer for the New Yorker is basically like, and Beach knows that Calloway is the better writer too. Like it was crazy. I felt like I was living in a fever dream. And so I gloated so fucking hard on my Instagram. I, I saw. I, yes. At one point I wrote, God make me the bigger person, just not yet. So the New Yorker, I gloated about the Washington Post. And then I gloated that Natalie's book didn't really sell. In fact, at this point, I just checked in with my literary agent the other day to see how many copies she's moved. There's this program called BookScan that can tell you how many. She, and she's sold in all summer. She's sold just over 700 copies. She hasn't even hit the 1,000 mark yet. And at the time, she had only sold less than 500 so I made a gloating post about that. And then when the New Yorker piece came out, I was like, you know what? I need to get myself together. This is like, this is actually becoming cruel. The Washington Post, the book itself didn't sell. And now the new, and where can you go after the New Yorker? Like there's like the New York Times would make it a strange triple crown of reviews. And you know, if you're working for the New York Times and listening to this podcast, if you'd like to make a review <laughs> raving about my book while trashing Natalie's, you know, I'm not gonna stop you. But I've decided no more gloating posts after the New Yorker. I gave myself the one day it came out. I got champagne with my mom. I made a really petty Instagram post because goddamn that girl has put me through so fucking much and karma's a goddamn bitch <laughs> and I'm glad that it is uh, but that's how I've been handling it and yeah and I, I guess how I feel about it is that I'm glad that I was able to be like um, more restrained in my book like even when I talk about her being aroused by her sexual assault which I think a lot of people just hearing that sentence at face value can think, oh my God, how can you say you were kind to her in your prose or, or controlled with her? Like, that's a crazy thing to write. And it is a crazy thing to write. But I think it's really important to remember that, you know, this, the actual story of what happened to her that night is different. There's more to it that she left out that she didn't put in her cut essay. And when I wrote about it from my point of view it's really one of the only moments in the book where i purposefully lie by omission and i did that out of respect to her i just 
think that the details of that night should be hers to choose to make public. So I just sort of stuck to the version that she had written about in the cut and just, you know, didn't describe it in any details that she hadn't used herself. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, like making those sort of choices for her, holding myself back from writing what I actually experienced in my life and what she said to me and what happened. Um, because, you know, she, in her original cut essay, she talked about me being suicidal and I had never clapped publicly at that time about my dad's struggles with suicide or my own. And I just felt so violated that she just didn't let me have like ownership of choosing to make that part of the public record mm -hmm. when I would choose to talk about that or if ever. I always knew I would someday, but I just, I wanted to get a little farther away from my Adderall addiction and just get my life more under control before that became part of my public persona. But yeah, so I, I feel like I handled it really gently and with her um, happiness in mind. And I didn't want to do to her what she had done to me in terms of like forcing details to be public. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to gloating on my Instagram, I've been petty three times, cut myself off. But I'm glad that karma exists because for a couple of years there, I was so saddened to see how someone could do the bad thing, you know, sell your friend out for money, take credit for their work, uh, like throw someone under the bus to get ahead in your own career. And people really rewarded that behavior with not only praise, but cold hard cash. And it's just so satisfying to like see her get her, her Kanye scooter brawn comeuppance, you know, like, yeah, you can be a snake in business, but like, it's, as Miss Swift once said, it's coming back around. Yeah. Okay. okay. So much there. I love the the way that your guys's story has been kind of like reduced and like pulled to these extremes into this revenge tale, which, as you said at the beginning, like feels like in many ways to like kind of miss the point and at least make it much less interesting, right? So I think that that was like one of the huge failures of not only this this recent press round but like you know back to 2019 it was like so simplistic these archetypes that i mean she herself in the cut profile like put forward of like okay like beautiful popular blonde girl and then like i'm just this dowdy brunette or something that i'm just not was, like, even we're both brunette i, yeah. <laughs> I was actually gonna so ask crazy. you if you identify as a blonde <laughs> yeah um but yeah so like that in and of itself feels like just like that was a limit of the full narrative, I think, to like reduce it to this just like revenge story, right? And I guess one characterization of you that I've always felt like we never really saw, was kind of stilted, was that like, oh, Caroline's like hot, popular blonde girl. But I feel like the way, especially in the book that you characterize yourself is almost like lifelong loner. And I'm just curious to hear how you think about yourself and like, yeah, lonerism, I guess. Lonerism, I love that word. If I have day book, you definitely should take lonerism to <laughs> Merriam-Webster as your own personal edition. I think it's great. Yeah, I've honestly, I truly identify as such a loner. Like I, I think the art that I want to make is really, um, it's really ambitious in scale. Like I really want to be remembered as like one of the great figures of American letters or, or sad girl American letters at least like <laughs> Sylvia Plath, Elizabeth Wurzel, Caroline Calloway. Like I want to be right up there. Um, so like the goals are big and such big goals really involves like a mass of people. Like you can't get there without fame. And I think on top of that, like I've said this before, but being a young girl or even a young woman, I mean, I'm 31, but like a young female who wants fame, even if I want it in service of my artistic goals, even if I know that to have my writing reach the maximum number of people, like you will inherently have celebrity 
baked into that. I think people just stop listening to me when I say I want to be a famous memoirist. I really feel like people push onto me this like really sexist stereotype of some like shallow attention seeking young woman who just wants fame for fame's sake and just like can't get enough of the spotlight. And I think people often really assume that the things that I do to generate fame, to help my reputation so that I can have a better reputation to sell books and to get better press for the books. Like, I think people see it more as me being like addicted to um, like online engagement, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Like, mm. I cannot wait to save up enough money to pull a fucking Donna Tart and just, I wanted to write and we were like, I want to disappear for like five to six years, like not post at all. But I just don't have as much as Natalie did a great job of portraying me as some like entitled heiress, like my family is solidly middle class. And if I want to work on a book for five to six years, I'm going to have to save up hundreds of thousands of dollars so that I can have salary saved up um, and live off of that. And so, but I'm such a loner. I, I, I love it here in Florida. It's so great. I, having all these employees, like, oh my God, like I'm so great. Employees, if you're listening to this, I'm so grateful you're here. You're really saving the day. <laughs> Please keep coming to work. Um, but I, after having like four people in my house for like eight hours, like I went and picked up everyone pizza from like a local place the other day and it's been so long since I've been around people because I don't have any friends here I, I've stopped dating entirely in order to focus on work I mean that was sort of the point of coming here was just to make books so I can achieve my life dreams and save up enough money to pull that Donna Tart for five to six years to write and we were like but as soon as I got out of the house to go pick up the pizza, I had a beer. I just had a Corona with lime and I literally didn't even listen to music. I stared dead eyed into the middle distance with not speaking, not a single thought in my head, just absolutely recharging for probably a solid 45 minutes. Like I am a true introvert. Have you heard that thing that like the difference between introverts and extroverts is not like how good they are at social social interaction or picking up social cues or how like um loud they are or like yes or how performative yeah. they are it's like how you recharge it's yeah, like totally. if you recharge with people or you recharge alone 100 percent recharge alone i love living alone i don't know how i'll ever date again like i <laughs> I, think, I think i'm getting more into lonerism with every passing day and yeah, that, those are my thoughts on lonerism. I think I'm a true embodiment of the ism and it's tough. Well, part of me wishes that I'd gotten my shit together sooner, but mm. part of me is glad that I had such an interesting 20s to write about. But I should just be grateful that at least turning 30 was a good come to Jesus moment for me to like sort of put my hand on my heart and mean like, okay, what is working and what is not working? Actually, it was really more just like, what is not working? Very <laughs> few things were working in my life in the West Village when it came to prioritizing my priority, which was making fucking books. How old are you, by the way? I was just going to say that's hilarious because I turned 30 this year. And actually, you and I have the same birthday, December 5th. You're joking. No. I Your remember birthday is December 5th? Yeah. What? That's yeah. crazy. It's really wild. Wait, so you must be 92? 93. No, 93, 93. Yeah. So I'm turning 30 this year. But I had literally at the six-month mark on my half birthday, I had the same. What's our not half working? Birthday. Our, our half, half birthday. birthday. Excuse me. Wait, no, it's not your <laughs> half birthday. It's our shared half birthday, June 5th. Yeah. But I, yeah, I definitely get the the what's not working category. And yeah, what are we trying to get out of what we're up to? You know, that kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, wow. The, in, in my year of being 29, leading up mm -hmm. to being 30, it was around this time, probably a few, in about one month from now, when I was in your position, mm -hmm. I bought a one-way ticket to England and went to Mattingly Hall to write the book a narrator voiceover she in fact did not write the book at <laughs> Mattingly Hall but I 
I just read a lot and had like a lot of red wine by crackling fires and was just near Cambridge, which was my spiritual home. And most importantly, I just got away from New York so that I could, because I just love New York so much. I think it was really important for me to be in another place that gave me some perspective on my life back there that was separated from the daily instant gratification of living in the West Village. Like it's so hard to get a good grasp on a life that isn't furthering your goals, that you really enjoy living on a day-to-day -day scale, but not a year-to-year -year scale because you're not mm. making any progress. But like day-to-day -day, West Village, I, when I'm scrolling on TikTok and I see TikToks of people just like talking into their phones as they walk the streets of New York City, I feel sucker punched to the gut. I have to quickly scroll by as if I'd just seen an X. I have to get rid of it immediately because it's just too painful. I don't want to think about it. I love New York and I love the West Village. And I can't wait to go back once I've once I've really fulfilled um, all of my loneristic goals. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so interested in like in your relationship to New York now, like the way that you write about New York, especially in like that 2021 era. And like you said something awesome, like you like still crave popularity, but you weren't mean. And so you felt like you weren't quite like fitting in with this scene that you saw as like a ticket to like greater influence. And so yeah, I mean, like, do you have fond memories of that time or does it feel like lonely, stilted, awkward? It is both. I have fond memories and I have memories where I feel lonely, stilted, awkward. I met some like new inner circle best friends during those Times Square years that got added to the roster, but those were few and far between. And I also met some of like the most like evil people I've ever seen up close. Like how I, so? Well, one thing, um, there's this one guy who um, heckled me and it wasn't really at a reading and like we had like followed each other on Instagram and he'd like tried to fuck me once at a party and like I don't I don't know I didn't think we were friends but I definitely didn't think that we were like enemies at all but so he heckled me and I guess that was awful and uncomfortable but like I sort of get that like he wanted power and he was trying to like achieve it in a public way by like fucking with someone with like a blue check mark who would like you know like everyone would stare at him and look at him in this party and like and he got to like feel power in this group setting that i can understand the motivation there like and i i don't agree with it but i can grasp it what totally blew my mind was afterwards when the reading was over and people were just mingling at the party and it wasn't like he had the floor or was, you know, trying to be the class clown or anything. I went up to him and I was like, bro, like, why? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> why did you do that? That was so mean. And he just tore into me for like three minutes just being like, why? Because you're a joke. You not only wasted my time, you wasted everyone in this room's time with reading us your absolute drivel. Do you think you're a good writer? You're not. Oh, are you surprised to hear that? Did you think I was your friend? Did you think we were friends? And then later, he Is went he on- like really fucked up? Like that, he was like no, out of no. scope of like social behavior. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Like, that is truly what blew me away. And thank God there were two other people who were like a witness to this. And like, or, or else like I wouldn't even, I would have thought that I fucking like blacked, that I blacked out and hallucinated <laughs> this. It was, it was the craziest thing to this day. Like no one has ever just been so like verbally abusive to me. And then, and then I cried like so hard, so, cried so hard. Oh, and then he also told me to my face when he was saying this, he was like, um, I don't know how you made money on um, OnlyFans. There's not a single hole I'd fuck you in. 
you're the, oh your tits are the only fuckable thing about you the only place i'd put my dick but i was just like i i like truly like i the reason it went on for so long was because i was truly speechless like jaw open like absolutely out of body experience anyways i cried later and then he just went on his instagram stories and called me a blubbering barnyard animal and just all these other things and it was just anyways i'd never seen cruelty like that up close and then the other person i met who was really like evil was i hooked up with this guy who seemed like really great on paper and this was a really good lesson for me because i really i always thought like oh haha i love a status symbol but like that's just part of me and it's okay for me to love those things i'm aware of it like this guy brown intergenerational family wealth harvard law school and the first time we met we met at like this sceney like like lucienne like photo shoot julia fox was part of it and anyways and i was just so blown away by all these little status symbols brown university harvard law school we moved meet at a downtown scene lucienne mm-hmm. adidas fucking photo shoot so anyway so we sleep together and basically this guy was really chasing me but the second i fucked him he lost interest mm-hmm. and i felt dumb for fucking someone who just i don't know who who psychologically would lose interest as soon as you sleep with them and i felt sort of dumb about it and i felt sort of bad and i really liked him he just seemed like a really great guy you know he was had all like you thought you had the upper hand and so you were like oh wait how did i like not play this correctly yes, kind of yes, yes. yeah i also felt like that i was just like what what Oh, right here. Yeah. Again, whatever. Like, that is a bummer and that sucks, but that's not evil. That's evil at all. That's like, it happens. It happens. But, and it's just like you're bummed about it and you got played and you move on. And what blew my fucking mind, and I made an Instagram post on my story being like, oh, I'm so dumb. Like, I can't believe I got played. Like, I thought I was smarter than this. Like, I've actually had never had that happen before. Like, I always felt like I had a really good bullshit meter for those kind of guys. And that, that system worked really well for 29 years. And then somehow, I think with all of my allure towards those status symbols and all the status symbols that he had, and he had this gorgeous Tribeca loft with just like the chicest fucking boy furniture you could ever imagine. Here's here's the evil part. I make an Instagram story about like getting played, processing my feelings. I don't say anything about his name or or I think I mentioned Harvard Law School. Who knows what I said? But I didn't even say anything to mention him that like that intensely at all. I get this DM from this really beautiful girl um who's like um you know, are you talking about and then said his first and last name? And I was like, yeah, why? Like, what's up? And she was like, can I come meet you in person? Like, are you in the West Village right now? And I was like, this is weird. This is so weird, but sure. Um, I was also probably like really drunk, to be honest. And (laughs) I, I actually remember I was several lemon drops in, but she came and met me. This girl was 17. This 26, 27 year old guy had been fucking and like he would beat this high schooler with a belt and then send her off to like her senior year Zoom classes. No, and not like, the Zoom. And then he and then I so started to have this threesome and like do all this like really like violent sexual stuff that she, she didn't want to do. And and he had been telling her telling this girl all these things about me trying to make it seem like he really liked me just to like fuck with her I think mm-hmm. and just to make her feel bad and then I wrote about that on my Instagram story and then three different people came into my Instagram DM saying that this guy had raped them at different times like it, it was just so crazy and at a certain point like it was just I started, you know, like calling these girls and talking to them. Then I just had to be like, 
it was getting so emotionally heavy for me. And yeah. I was just like, what am I doing? I'm not a journalist, like not my monkeys, not my circus. Like, just feel God you dodged a bullet. Like, but it was just really strange to like, the 17 year old and I, I actually went to her 18th birthday party. We became friends. <laughs> And I, and we're still friends today. I fucking love her. She's such a great girl and so sweet and so strong and so brave. And it was just, yeah, those two things were meeting those two people was just really, um, like, I, I just had never seen evil people up close. I'd seen them true crime documentaries and, you know, in the bad guy characters on TV shows. Like I'd never really, you know, like yeah. it was crazy. It was so yeah. fucking crazy. And so that really, that honestly, I'm really glad that I met those two boys that summer that I was 29 because I, as I said, I love the West Village so much. My heart yearns for those leafy cobblestone streets. I love New York. Uh, it's my, is my perfect city and I'm really glad I did meet them because it just it reminded me that you know it's it's not some perfect paradise you know it's full of terrible people like really really terrible people and like it's it was just a good shove out of the nest so that I could <laughs> go somewhere that wasn't New York and just really get down to business and turn out these fucking day books. Yeah. Yeah. I know at the end of the book, you say like your, your kind of next plan would be to like save up and buy property in Florida and, and stay there. Do you think you would ever come back to New York for an extended period of time? Yes, absolutely. That's the plan. I'm going to oh. spend like two to three more years here in Florida. I actually threw my passport in the ocean when I moved here. Um, <laughs> Unfit to travel. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 totally. And like, I can't thrive. So I have no government ID. Like I, I can only buy alcohol from like five places in town who like saw my passport before I threw it away. And I didn't really think that one through like so many things in my life. Um, but I'm glad that I did it because I really wanted to clip my own wings and I don't want to go anywhere. I mean, I went to Tampa to see Taylor Swift and I will go to Miami next year to see Taylor <laughs> Swift, but that's the only time I'm leaving and I'm not even leaving the state. And so like I, my plan is to be here for, I have 10 day books that I want to write. I have 10 Jeez. concepts for them. Yeah. And I want to put out two more this year finish yeah the and there's the like all caps part in your book where you're like this is not the only book i published this year yeah. <laughs> really i don't even remember saying that should i say that that's crazy yeah it's like all caps italics i'm like whoa okay oh, message whoa. received I, i'm also like whoa that's crazy who who wrote that that's that's crazy but um but yeah i want to put out two more books this year and then i have three four more books that I want to do next year and then three, four books the year after that. And then hopefully I will scammer. I'm not making crazy profit on because so many, I had 3000 orders where mm -hmm. I lost about 10,000, sorry, $10 an order. So like $30,000 oh of like yeah. just from up upgrading everyone who waited right to the luxury first edition like mm -hmm. it costs to ship and to make about at bare minimum 35 dollars, and i was selling it at 25 dollars a book but you so don't intend like, to self-publish the rest of them right i think for all of the day books i will do a limited edition a limited okay. first edition of three thousand okay. for each book and i'll probably make each copy cost more like 85 probably instead of 65. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, you're really crafty. So I, I like, like it. I, yeah. And I do now have eight employees, which is awesome. great. Um, uh, speaking of my employees, I got to get back to them soon. Yes. Okay. Your most important questions now. Okay. Okay. I have, I have three more quick questions. Okay. Number okay. one, number one is something you referenced earlier about like the 
sounds like you see your like performance on Instagram and kind of just, you know, like amalgamating followers and like attention as like, you know, a necessary part of your job in order to reach like the audience that you want. And like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's part of your ambition, but that like people have a tendency to see that as crave and drive for attention or something. Yeah. Um, and then I also think that a lot of people just see it as like, that's the performance itself. And that like, your like you know behavior on instagram or something is like overshadowing your writing so i guess how do you think about that if at all and like do you care about yeah that that perception of like your instagram as your craft and your your you know kind of performance art as your craft versus your writing you know i think it's totally fine for it to overshadow my writing now i mean i've been doing Instagram performance art for 10 years and I've mm -hmm. been writing books for two months but I think I won't be concerned about that overshadowing my writing unless that's still how people feel 10 books later you know like mm -hmm. if if I put out 10 books over the next three years people still see think performance art instead of all the different titles of my books and the sheer quantity of them, then that will be a problem that will worry me. But right now, I think it just, it makes sense that it would, people would think of it more because I've done it more. It's, mm -hmm. it's just like time-wise, it's like two months on scam or 10 years, 10 years on performing Caroline Calloway on Instagram. Like it would be crazy if they didn't think of that more. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's very like matter of fact, I think. I mean, I, certainly a lot of like culture writers like spin their reels trying to be like, you know, you know, all that is to her is this like character and they're, you know, so. Yeah, go cool spin your wheels. Whatever. I'm gonna make books. Like you, yeah. you, you do that. You, you think about that question long and hard. <laughs> go for it. Um, okay, the, the next question I have is very silly, but something that I do on Startle a lot is I have a lot of these kind of continuums or paradigms that we like sort the girls that we're talking about in as kind of like, you know, like a BuzzFeed quiz, like this or that. And I wanted to run a few of them by you. Oh, I love you. it. I'm okay. excited. Yeah, I thought you would be into it. Okay, so um, one of the original ones is like, I have this idea that like all girls are one type of sexy or the other. They're either ripe or dead. Both have equal potential for like hotness and sex appeal, but it's like really obvious. If, oh, you know, I, I'm ripe. I'm yes. Okay. Ripe. You, you're picking it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Dasha, dead. Bingo, Caroline. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. The next one is a two by three. So there, there's three different either ors. I'll say them all and then I'll do a little explaining because it's a little opaque. So fluffy or sparkly, then grounded or cloud. And then mom or angel. So for instance, you could be a sparkly grounded angel or something like that. So fluffy, sparkly, the difference is fluffy is kind of like undone, kind of effortless, very natural feeling, but maybe a little messy, whereas sparkly is like polished, sophisticated, like that kind of thing. Really? Uh, I think sparkly is like glitter everywhere, like glitter spilled oh. on the floor. Just, but, okay. But by those definitions, I would have said sparkly just because it's like, I think princess sprightly. I think sparkly, like undone in your face, like jazz hands. <laughs> you know, not elegant, sophisticated. But but if 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 by this meaning, by choosing sparkly, I'm saying I'm elegant, sophisticated. Then obviously fluffy. <laughs> yeah, I think you're fluffy too. Your hair is fluffy. It's also sparkly sometimes when I <laughs> when I spill fucking glitter in it. But okay, next. Okay, <laughs> next is. Or is Grounded or cloud? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a fluffy cloud angel. Exactly. Yes. yes. Wow, I don't even have to explain them. Yeah, you totally got it. Okay, cool. Okay, and then uh, one last one that I'll give you is sun, star, or moon. So sun is like radiates warmth, big gravitational pull. Moon is like kind of like distant, observational, like maybe a little like moody or shadowy. And then star is like zipping around. Star. Yes. Wow. <laughs> three out of three. Good work. <laughs> Were there wrong answers to any of those? No, it's just like, do you share my perspective of you? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. We're perceiving me the same way. Exactly. Yeah, when you, you say three out of three, that's what you mean. I was like, was there yeah. an option to get them wrong? Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there there is. Some people DM me and they're like, I think that like such and such is a moon. And I'm like, hard no. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, okay. That was my second category question. I know okay. you have to go. The last thing that has been literally making me feel insane is did you used to have two cats? And if so, what happened to the other cat? <laughs> See, this is what I meant by myth busting. I was like, is there anything you want to clear up? You're like, no, not really. You're like, I don't really care about the truth. Let's let's talk about something else. And I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> but, but then like you're like, okay, last question. Let's get to the bottom of this. I need to know the truth. <laughs> no, I, I actually have been obsessed okay. with this. <laughs> okay, okay. I have said this so many times, but obviously I don't have many posts on my grid. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I do feel bad for people because if you just like have had terrible luck tuning into my stories and you've just never seen me explain this, like I, you're shit out of luck. It must be really <laughs> hard for you out there thinking of like not knowing what happened to the other cat because I have talked about this so much, but never in like a permanent way. Like I had two cats, Matisse and Kitty. Yes. And Kitty was the silvery. It's called a, I think it's called a blue point or a lilac point. Um, like a sort of a silvery Siamese. And they were best friends when they were kittens. And then when they started going through cat puberty, they started just like fighting, like literal cat fights. And I honestly, listen, I know I'm not supposed to say this. This is why I'm angel, not mom, because I had a favorite cat. You know, like a true mom would be like, I, I love all of my children equally. No, <laughs> I already liked Matisse more. If Kitty had been like bringing Matisse joy, like I would have kept Kitty just to like. In support of that. Yes, just to like enrich Matisse's life and like make his life better. But oh my God, when she started terrorizing my favorite cat, I don't know if you've ever lived with one roommate who you really like and one roommate who both of you hate. Oh, I was going to just say animals that that happens. Oh. But, okay. Yeah. I get the roommate thing as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like we, Matisse and I would be like in the living room, like watching something and like Kitty would walk in and me and Matisse would look at each other. Like, do you want to go watch this in my room? <laughs> totally. Like, and so I gave her away of all people to depths of Wikipedia shout out, follow her on Instagram and TikTok. I was just Kitty's personality was she was really curious and independent she wasn't so cuddly and she was really brave and i don't know i just sort of like honestly i tried not to overthink it i just sort of like flicked through everyone i knew in my head and i was like curious brave independent curious and i was like depths of wikipedia annie and I was like, Annie, do you want like a $2,000 cat? <laughs> and Annie was like, Annie was like, no, I don't. But I'll take the cat for a few months and we can find a permanent home. And I was like, mm -hmm. totally reasonable. Like, thank you for fostering this cat. Like it was when I, I called her up when I was moving to New York, because the thing is in Florida, at least having Kitty around, like there were three bedrooms and we had some space to mm -hmm. like get Separate. away from each other. But coming back to New York, we were about to be sleeping in the kitchen. Like it was a studio apartment in the West Village. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way that they can cohabitate. Like, Annie, like, would you like this cat? And they loved each other. And now Annie would die for that cat. And Kitty is renamed Pearl. And she is That's extremely cute. TikTok famous. Okay, well, thank you for explaining that to me. I was like, number one, am I going insane? And I just like thought there used to be two. And no, then number no. two, did it die? And like, did I miss no, this like, tragic couple plot of, point? Once every couple of weeks, I still get DMs apropos of nothing. That's just like, <laughs> what happened to your other cat? Didn't you have a second cat? Where yeah. is the other cat? So I really hope from now on, you know, I usually don't respond to those people because... <laughs> It's just like if I gave everyone who wanted 30 seconds of my time, 30 seconds of my time, I wouldn't even be able to ship books. Like I would be busy for the rest of my life. Um, but I will try now to, at least for some of those DMs, just send them to your podcast. To oh, this perfect. Episode. Thank you. I'll be like, listen to my... just drive the traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grassroots <laughs> efforts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay, um, I'm gonna, okay. I have to go check on my new employees. For Take, all I know, I'm going to walk out of my bedroom and it's going to be like, I have no furniture. Like, they've just robbed me blind. Like, they complete scam. Like, I just walk out. It's like 
empty, empty apartment. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I thank so appreciate you so much it. for having me. And, and yeah. good luck with your podcast. And thank text you. me about how your rest of being 29 is. And we, we can wish each other a happy birthday now. Oh, I will definitely wish you a happy birthday. So you turned 32 this year? Uh, yeah, I turned okay. 32 and you cool. turned 30. Turn 30, yep. Bye. Awesome. All right. Bye, Caroline. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago.